constant through all the years, Ray. Been Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. We like that! You like that! That is a career render, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to the Beyond the Game program. Thanks for tuning in on this first weekend in February. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. We're glad to have you with us. The website is btgprogram.com and on social media it's at btgprogram. Our studio line is 585-431-1202. Feel free to give us a call anytime. We'd be glad to hear your perspectives on what we're talking about. That's 585-431-1202. Zach, let's talk a little bit of hockey. We'll kick off the show. I know that's not what most sports talk shows are going to want to do, but that's what we want to do. In the same week that the New York Rangers extended their coach, Elaine Vigneault, which I know you love, Zach. Oh, boy. The St. Louis Blues dismissed their guy, Ken Hitchcock. Now, the thing that made the Hitchcock firing so difficult was the fact that this was his final year having already announced prior to the season that he would return for this year, but that would be it. Now, you may feel differently, but I don't know what else the Blues could have done. This had to be hard for them. They were in a spot where they need to salvage this season before Mm -hmm. it gets away from them, and they currently are clinging to the ace spot in the West. I mean, they needed to make a change, in my opinion. It was such a just a weird situation all around because this is the team that was in the conference finals last year and looked like a powerhouse team, looked like they were really set up for this season. And they ended up being undone by really the same thing that usually is their undoing, which is they got really bad to mediocre goaltending. Adding to that, this is normally a Hitchcock's a defensive minded coach. This Mm -hmm. is normally a pretty strong defensive team in front of their goaltending. But this year it hasn't been. So you got a coach that's supposed to be known for his defense. They had to make a change because your defensive guy isn't getting it done. Why do we have him here? Yeah, and my first reaction was it seemed like they had really you know done him dirty. You know, to, oh, he's halfway through his final season and you give him the boot. But the more I think about it and the more I read about it, the more it seems like maybe they made the unpopular but correct decision, you know, and and – you got to do something to spark the team. And they did quite honestly what I wish the Rangers would have done. But instead, the Rangers made an equally sort of head-scratching move, and they've given their, given their coach a two-year extension and a raise. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that in just a minute. With the Blues, Hitchcock's replacement was already there on the bench. That mm-hmm. made this even, even easier. But I it wonder, wasn't easy for them, was it? Because no, you could hear the GM really struggling. I mean, in that press conference, he was emotional about what firing his best friend really oh yeah and a guy that's beloved there i mean he goes they don't even go by his his last it's, they just call him hitch you know half of his last name he's got a nickname in the city and everything but i i don't know that i wonder if it was a weird dynamic there in the locker room having this year's coach and next year's coach there on the same team in the same locker room and i'm sure they're both trying to have input and i wonder if they just decided to go with just one voice and and try to simplify things a little bit Let's turn to the Rangers, which I'm sure you're going to have a lot to say. You're wearing your Rangers <laughs> cap here. Uh, I was a little surprised that they extended Vigneault, 
Although I, I guess I'm not surprised they extended him. I guess I'm surprised they extended him now at this point in the season. Why wouldn't they wait until the end of the year? Because here, one of the things that I've seen from the Rangers this year, and I, I know they've played well, extremely well at times, but there's some head-scratching losses this year, including the game we were at in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's a guy that he doesn't trust his young guys. So in yeah. my mind, the Rangers are hoping he's the coach that led them to the to the conference final or the Stanley Cup finals two years ago and not the coach that seemingly overmanaged and mixed the, the lines and mm-hmm. me- mixed, messed with the pieces so much that they made a first-round exit last year. So I, I want to ask you, which coach is he? In my mind, he's he's sort of both and neither. He's he's a coach that has a great offensive system. I and mean, when you get the right players, which is what he has now, we, they fly up and down the ice with speed, they transition really rapidly, and they can score a lot of goals. But at the same time, he's such a terrible in-game adjustment maker and as you said he's got young players that he doesn't trust but he's got players that he also trusts more than he should that he will play no matter whether they should be playing or not he will play them and give them top minutes and his system is so good it's almost like a rex ryan situation where he knows my system's good my system works and he trusts the system to work sort of no matter who is plugged into it and it just it's maddening that okay there's the system but you need to make adjustments when the other team adjusts to you and he doesn't seem to be able to do that that's my big problem with him there's one more thing in the nhl i want to get to before we take our first break the league announced the balance of its 100 top greatest players of all time now i'm convinced whenever somebody puts out one of these lists they are intentional to put certain people on it that don't belong and intentional to leave certain people off it just to get conversation going. That's what these lists are about. Get people talking about them. And it's very easy to include guys like Gretzky, How These guys are obvious. Mm -hmm. But when you get down to around, this list was 100, when you get down to that 100 mark, it's a little more difficult to decipher between who's in and who's out. For instance, active players such as Duncan Keith, uh, Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, they made the list. So did Crosby, you know, uh, so did Yarama Yager, but there are a lot more obvious inclusions than the first three. And I'm not denying that they're great players, but are they already 100 best players of all time? No. Already? Spoiler alert, they're not. Yeah, that's, that was my opinion. Now, I don't mind Crosby being there and Yarimer Yager. Like I said, oh, yeah. I believe they've already achieved that. To me, they're not when guys like Eddie Balfour was not on that list. Joe Thornton, uh, Dale Howarchuk, also. Henrik not- Lundqvist? Well, that's where I was getting to. Yeah. Uh, and among that, Rangers goalie, Henrik Lundqvist, was not included on that list. Now, you follow the Rangers closely. You named your son after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you it might is- be a little biased, but try to put that aside and tell me why Lundqvist should have been included on this list. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that this season he became the first goalie in history to win 20-plus games in each of his first 12 seasons in the league, something that's never been done before in the 100-year history of the league. So, I mean, that right there is a milestone that nobody's ever done in 100 years. I would think that alone would get you on the list. I I have a problem with active players being on that list. Mm -hmm. I don't think they should be unless you're that rare Yager type. Yeah, And I'm not sure that Lundquist is. But if you're going to include Patrick Kane... 
uh, Duncan Keith, these guys, mm-hmm. how do you not include Lundquist? And I, then the list should go on from there. There's a yeah. lot of guys at that point that if you're including Duncan Keith, a lot of guys. Just- I think that the first thing that jumped out at me is I was reading through the list to refresh myself before the show. And it, one thing they consistently mentioned in the little blurbs for each player is won this many Stanley Cups, won this many Stanley Cups. And I think a big part of their decision making, which I don't agree with, is how many cups a player has won. And you see all those current Blackhawks on the list because they're the current dynasty that won however many in a short amount of time, and they're looked at as well. Jonathan Taze is the captain of a team that just won three cups in six years or whatever. Well, if you take away that and you look just at his numbers, he's a very good two-way top six, top nine center. He's not one of the greatest players of all time. You know, same with Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith's really, really good. There are better defensemen than him in the league right now that aren't on the list because they aren't on the yeah, three-time that's, champion. I, I'm not debating. I, I believe that he is very good. I'm not doubting mm-hmm. that at all. Of course he is. But 100 greatest of all times. I'm sure yeah. he's included simply to get people talking. And that, to me, that really bothers me. If if a big part of your decision-making in this ranking is how many cups did they win, well, they play on a team of several players, and it's not like that one player won those cups by himself. You know, I feel like you're judging a player against every other player in history, but sort of based on what the players around him have also done. So I feel like that's unfair a little bit. we got lots more coming up today on Beyond the Game. The Super Bowl is tomorrow, and everybody's talking about the big game, but I'm quite certain nobody shared our perspective on the relationship between Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo. We're also going to talk about Serena Williams and other top athletes who just seem to dial it up a bit when it matters most. We'll get into not only reaching a championship game, but also making the most of that opportunity when they're there. And of course, Zach has a fresh list of shenanigans statements for us. Beyond the Game is a faith-based radio program, and like many radio ministries, our operating budget is mainly sustained by the support of our listeners. The program is not exclusively for people of faith, but it is our goal to use sports to introduce the message of Jesus Christ and give our listeners something to consider for themselves. The financial gifts from our listeners support the program's efforts to reach new markets and bring the message of the gospel to thousands of listeners each week. If you feel so led, you can also make a secure donation right there at our website, btgprogram.com. I'm Benson, he's Barletta, and this is the Beyond the Game program. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. 
and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Is here, Ram Sports Network, Christian Sports Television. That's right, Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. Recording in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram, talking sports from a faith-based point of view, giving you some things that I know you won't hear on other sports talk radio programs and hoping to use sports to give you a little encouragement along the way. The program is available on podcasts, is heard across the nation and worldwide, and you can listen at our website. Once again, it's btgprogram.com. All our previous broadcasts are archived there, and you can even subscribe to the show, have it downloaded to your device each week if you so choose. To all of you who listen and support the program, we want you to know we certainly do appreciate it. Zach, I want to ask you, any big plans for watching the Super Bowl? You having a big party, lots of people over? I know you didn't invite me, so I don't know if you're having a party or not, but... Well, I wasn't going to tell you, but uh, no, I, we don't really have any plans. I used to be a big Super Bowl party person, and the older I've gotten, the more I just enjoy being able to sit at home in my pajama pants and eat nachos and watch the game. Yeah, that's there's a vision for you. <laughs> but you have the beautiful family. you got your wife, your daughter, your son. That That's a nice just sit home. My wife and I haven't done anything in a number of years. For a while, we were involved in the youth group, and they would have an activity every mm-hmm. year that we were a part of, but... Uh, we just generally watch the game at home. And, of course, for those who are listening, that's not a surprise to them. I don't I don't care for parties. I don't know why that is. But I don't want, you know, I don't want to go to your birthday bash, your Super Bowl party, your graduation day thing, you know. Uh, don't invite me. I, I don't want to go. I, <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, my, my poor wife, she married so poorly because she loves that stuff. But tomorrow is the big game, which, if you're like me, can't come soon enough. And that's not because I'm excited for the game or great anticipation. It's simply because the week leading up to the to the Super Bowl and sports media coverage, oh, it's just awful, Zach. Yeah. Did you see recently one of the reporters in the seemingly endless media cycle leading up to the game asked Julio Jones if he thought the Super Bowl was a must-win game? <laughs> That's the kind of quality media coverage that we're slogging through to get to this game. I listen to a lot of sports talk radio. I, in fact, I was telling you just the other day, I have to be careful because I can get to a point where that's all I listen to, you know, is sports mm-hmm. talk radio. I really I, – I like talk radio. What do you mean by that? Why I have to be careful about it is because I think it's healthy to have a balance in things. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not always success, successful at living it this way, but I try, and I do believe it's important, but – much of what I read in Scripture seems to corroborate that balance in most things is very, very important. People have a tendency at times to get too overly wrapped up in one thing or another, and this often at the detriment of other things, which they get too little of. So I end up listening to sports talk radio, and I neglect other good things that 
uh, would offer a good balance, things like good music or, you know, biblical teaching and things such as this. So I have to be intentional about getting a balance of things I'd like my mind to focus on. I don't, I don't want to be one dimensional. And this past week, this was easy to do because I did my best to avoid sports media. <laughs> I, 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 there are programs that I like that I just, I wasn't going to tune in. There is nothing more to talk about at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I love sports. Uh, you know that. But at some point, what in the world is there left to say? Mm-hmm. And the guests go from show to show to show, mm-hmm. practically the same interview on every show. And this current trend of guests appearing on behalf of some sponsor mm-hmm. means that somebody working for that sponsor is working behind the scenes to get them on as many shows as they can. And it's always going to be the same interview. And Media Day, you, you alluded to it, but Media Day is just troubling. I know they have a job to do, but when you're asking Julio Jones, is this a must-win game? It's the only game. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last game of the season. If there yeah. is a must-win game, this is it. What a ridiculous question. I, I know reporters have a job to do. I get it. I understand it. I respect it. But that's why I like when guests come on a program such as ours or similar programs because you get to hear things apart from the normal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to hear them talk about Christ, how they came to know Christ. You're not hearing that everywhere else. But this past week, there were really just two types of questions. The run-of-the-mill stuff, as you just said, reporters say they have to ask, such as asking Tom Brady, what would it mean to win another championship? I mean, it's a ridiculous question. Yeah. Is this a must-win game? Ridiculous question. But the most ridiculous ones you're seeing, the other type, the other end of the spectrum, if you will, are questions like, what's your favorite cereal? If you were an animal, what animal would you be? And then on Media Day, they always have this woman, or maybe there's a couple of them, I have no idea, running around asking every athlete if they would marry her. It's just troubling, and I try to avoid it. But as I say, the game is is tomorrow. And you, don't you wonder what is going through the mind of a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo? Here's a guy that started the first two games of the season for the Patriots as Tom Brady served an absurdly long suspension. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm laughing a little bit because this is well-trodden ground. I'm not debating the guilt or innocence. I just, man, the punishment did not fit the crime. But what it did do was give Garoppolo a chance to show what he can do. And what he can do is hold his own on the football field. Now, unfortunately for him, he got hurt just before halftime against the Dolphins in week two, so that cut short his opportunity to showcase. But while he was on the field, he completed 71% of his passes. He threw for 400 and some yards. I don't think he had it. Well, he didn't. He had four touchdowns, no interceptions. Reports came out this week that the Cleveland Browns will indeed make a run at trading for him, and that was something that we talked about. It's been rumored for a long time. Mm-hmm. We finally got confirmation. The Patriots are proven deal makers. They make good deals. They have so good about getting a guy and just plugging him in and getting terrific results. Apart from Brady, and maybe maybe this is yet to be seen, but apart from Brady, Nobody in New England has been untouchable over the years. Next year, Garoppolo will be able to hit the open market. He'll be able to join another team. If he chooses to do that, New England would get nothing in return. And that's typically not how the Patriots roll. Right. They uh, they make deals. They bring guys back, which is why many are speculating that 
they're going to move this guy. Now, one of the topics getting kicked around this week has been whether or not Brady would retire should he win another championship. There's no way I see that happening. But as I'm, like I said, I've been avoiding it. But you go to certain places. I'm in the gym in the morning. I can't oh, get away from it. they got seven TVs up there, so mm-hmm. one of them has always got ESPN on, and they're talking about whether he would retire. Again, I don't see that happening, but he will be 40 mm-hmm. before opening day next year. So uh, as we've seen most recently in Peyton Manning, in the NFL, quarterbacks decline quickly. They mm-hmm. go from terrific one season to they don't have it anymore. And sooner or later, the Patriots are going to have to think about life without Tom Brady. Now, could Garoppolo be thinking that he'll be the next guy? If he knew Brady's plans, I I don't know if he does or doesn't. If he knew Brady was going to retire within the next season or two, could he be willing to work out a deal with the Patriots to stay there? By the way, he's represented by the same agency who represents Tom Brady, so he's seen Tom Brady take less money in an effort to put other guys around him which has no doubt contributed to the many Super Bowl appearances, Mm -hmm. would Caropolo be willing to do something like that? I think it'll be interesting, Zach, to see how the Patriots begin to navigate a path from Brady to whoever his heir will be. And it'll be interesting to see if Garoppolo is part of those plans. I'm not so convinced they will trade him. I know, look, they got to be thinking about life after him. And obviously being part of that system, knowing the offense, even being familiar with how how Tom Brady has done things, and having a first-row seat are all a benefit if Garoppolo and the Patriots do end up staying together. I think so. I think that's going to be one of the more fascinating situations to watch this offseason. To set up my obvious segue, you might say that everyone— is better off by Jimmy Garoppolo being a disciple of Tom Brady. Now, that's not to say he's a clone of Tom Brady. He comes with his own set of gifts. He has his own abilities and his own way in which he does things. The Bible says in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, this is Jesus speaking, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The same thing that makes for a successful sports team strengthens a church, and that's disciple-making. In fact, if you show me a healthy, growing church, I'm going to be able to show you evidence of an intentional disciple-making program which that church has. And I'm not talking about one individual just making little versions of himself. I'm not talking about cloning sheep. But although in the case of Jesus Christ, that, that would certainly work, which that's what Christian means, little Christ. We should want to be more like him. But humans are flawed. So we don't want to be identical clones. But however, there is great wisdom in closely following and learning from someone who is more mature in the faith, someone who has experiences, uh, experienced the highs and the lows in life and who has remained faithful, who has remained steadfast. Haven't you ever known someone who you admire and thought that you'd like to be more like they are? Now, obviously, you're not wanting to reproduce the flaws in your own life, but you're looking to replicate those things which made you admire that person in the first place. Jesus' specific command is to make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. This is not just converts. It's more than evangelism, although evangelism is certainly part of it. But that's just the beginning. Jesus tells the, the story of a sower. 
The parables found in Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8. Basically, there are seeds planted in different grounds for those who aren't familiar. In one type, the the seed falls along the wayside. They're never sprouted. Birds come along and, and they eat them up. In another, the seed fell on a rock, and because there's no soil, it no sooner sprouts, and then it withers away. And in yet another, the seed falls among thorns, which eventually choke out the seedling. But those seeds which fall on good fertile soil, the seed thrives, it grows, it produces fruit. Now Jesus explains the parable. He says that the seeds along the way are like when the Word of God is shared— But because of various circumstances in someone's life, the devil's able to come along and snatch it before it even reaches the the hearer's heart. They're not listening, in other words. The seed that fell on a rock, he says, are like those who hear the word and accept it, but because they're not firmly rooted, when a problem comes along, an issue comes up, they quickly, they easily abandon their faith and they return to trying to do things in their own strength. These people are you know, maybe never were believers. And then there are those seeds which are in the thorns and, and the distractions of the of the world, which uh, when they increase, they end up choking out the word of God in someone's life. These might be backsliding Christians, if that's a thing. But for those seeds who get nourished, who develop a strong foundation, they thrive. And that's what, that's what disciple making is all about. If you're a mature believer in the faith, there should be someone or some ones which you are investing, in which you are pouring yourself into. And if you're a new believer in Christ or someone who's never really grown in your faith and you find yourself just sort of flourishing, perhaps you would benefit from being a disciple, coming alongside someone who's going to show you how to use your unique talents, how to, how to use them for the good of the faith. Now, of course, there's some humility in this, accepting a student role, coming alongside a teacher. But it's not because somebody else has it all figured out and you don't. It's simply they're in a position to help you grow. I'm going to leave you with this. Successful sport teams have disciple-making programs. No, they don't call it that. Perhaps it's a development program. Maybe it's a tutoring program, a mentoring program. But Jesus called it disciple-making, introducing a person to Christ and then helping them to grow strong in the faith. If your church doesn't have a plan, I would encourage you to talk to your pastor. Start one. Jesus said in Matthew 7.20, you will know them by their fruits. Now be honest in your heart for a moment and think about your life. Is there clear fruit? Is there evidence of your faith? Can people tell that you're a person of faith without them having been told so verbally? The same phrase, you will know them by their fruits, is used just a few verses in Matthew seven sixteen. But I use seven twenty because it's right before Jesus says this in verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. There's a lot of people that think they're Christians, and they're not. Jesus goes on to describe in Matthew seven twenty people who taught the Bible, but they never really knew God in their heart. People who thought they were Christian but were never truly sincere deep down. Being a Christian is a relationship with God that's rooted in your heart. It's not a job. It's not just a way to bring in some income. And by the way, ministry doesn't bring in a lot. It's not just a custom that you learn from your family. Being in a relationship with God is is more than just something you do 
to be part of something. It's more than just doing something so that people see you. A relationship with God, it's that thought. It's that motivation behind everything you do, bringing honor and glory to God. If you don't have a faith which is clearly developing fruit, if you if it's your glory you seek and not God's, then maybe you should consider being part of a discipleship program. The truth is, most of us are being discipled in one way or another by someone or something anyhow. Maybe it's sports talk radio that's developing your mind. Maybe you're listening to so much of it that that's where you're you're learning from. Is it television? Music? Maybe you're after a particular image for, that you'd like for yourself. Maybe it's idleness or apathy, which is being given preference in your life and in your mind. We're all being discipled. We're all learning from something. What is it? We ought to learn from the best sources that's available to us. Just a little something for you to chew on. I hope it sparks a thought or two and maybe even a reaction or perhaps a call to action. If there's something we can do to help, you can reach out to us through our website, btgprogram.com, or give us a call at the studio line, 585-431-1202. I'm Rick Benson. I want to thank you for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. This is the Beyond the Game program. Okay, let's take a look at the week that was for Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. Here is the Red Hawks report for this week, February 4th, 2017. The Red Hawks report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. In women's basketball, after losing last Saturday on the road at Malloy College 73-62, the Red Hawks bounced back at home with an 83-70 victory on Wednesday over the University of the District of Columbia. Fairport, New York's Lucy Cobley leading the Hawks with 28 points while also leading the team in rebounds with eight. Kovli hit 15 of her 28 points in the third quarter as Roberts opened up a lead after the teams were tied at the half. By the way, Kovli's big game on offense follows a career-high night for Syracuse's C.C. James, who went for 24 in the previous game. James going a perfect 11 for 11 from the free-throw line. The losing streak for the men has unfortunately hit seven this past week after losses to Malloy on Saturday 77-64 to and on Wednesday in overtime to the University of D.C. 95-92. Against D.C., three Red Hawks finished with over 20 points. Sophomore Quinn Carey, 23 points, 15 of which came in the overtime period, while fellow sophomore Zach Panabianco ended with 22. Junior Manny Joseph had a double-double on the night with 21 points and 10 rebounds. Both the men and women hosted the University of Bridgeport on Friday, but that was after this program was recorded, and we'll have an update on that next week. The women's bowling team lost their opening match of the season to Medale College 4-3 this past Tuesday. Not many chances to catch the Roberts Wesleyan teams at home this coming week, but you can see both the men's and women's basketball teams in action on Wednesday, February 8th, as Queens College comes to town. Start time for the women is 5 p.m., while the men tip off at 7 and both are back on the floor next Saturday the 11th to host LIU Post. Tip-offs next Saturday are at 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. Well, that'll do it for the Red Hawks Report for this week, February 4th, 2017. The Red Hawks Report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. And remember, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Report presented, as always, by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles, 
Our teams have made three NCAA National Championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view, highlighting the stories and the people of faith. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. Welcome back to the show, recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here's your host, Rick Benson. Benson and Barletta here with you on Beyond the Game, mixing sports with faith. Last weekend, Serena Williams beat her sister Venus Williams in the Australian Open to win what was her 23rd Grand Slam singles title. Amazing accomplishment and what has just been an incredible, really just an incredible career. And by the way, she has 14 more Grand Slam titles in doubles playing alongside Venus and another two in mixed doubles. At 35, she's once again the number one ranked women's player in the world. Her career is obviously still going strong, and while this last Grand Slam title broke a tie with Steffi Graf for most all time, there's no reason to think that there won't be more, potentially many more, coming that will end up leaving Graf far behind and firmly establishing Serena Williams as the greatest player ever, if she's not already. Her remarkable success is is surely not the result of any one thing. There's her upbringing, of course, her dedicated training routine. She works very, very hard. There's both her natural ability that she was born with as well as her developed ability that she's honed over the years. But maybe more than any of those things is her ability to focus and then to focus at an even higher level when it matters most. Her record in Grand Slam finals would speak to that. She has won 23 titles in singles. She's finished runner-up six times. 23 wins against just six losses in title matches would suggest that, that she really dials it up. I mean, she makes the most of an opportunity when it comes around. I remember Derek Jeter once saying, and, and he won, what, four titles in his first five seasons? I remember him saying that because of his early success, he thought it was always going to be that way. But the ability to take advantage of a situation when they come along is really something special. It's what separates the greatest athletes of all time. In a team sport, of course, one player is dependent on a number of others. So unlike tennis, it, it's it's something where all those players have to focus together. They have to take advantage simultaneously of the opportunities that come along. Certainly Tom Brady is a remarkable quarterback. There's no doubt that he focuses in. He dials it up. He plays with a chip on his shoulder, as many would say, and he does his best to make the most of every opportunity. But come tomorrow evening in the Super Bowl, the other guys on the field are going to have a little something to do with whether or not he's ultimately successful or not. For a guy like Matt Ryan and the other members of the Falcons, this is going to be their first shot at a title game. The Falcons, they've made one other Super Bowl appearance, but not with any of the guys on the current roster. And it may seem like the Patriots are there every year, but the Falcons may actually feel a little more pressure to uh, make hay while the sun shines, if you will, than do the Patriots. They have to win. The Patriots have won. 
and it seems like they're there all the time. So I'm sure they want to win, but if they didn't, the Patriots fully expect to get back on a fairly regular basis. And while the Falcons may expect that as well, this is only their second Super Bowl appearance. So in reality, they may feel pressure to win because they're not there every single year. For as great as Dan Marino was, Dan Marino only had one shot at a title. And there's an endless list of great players who never had the chance to play in even one championship game. I saw this as a common theme throughout sports this week. On Wednesday, the defending champion Cleveland Cavaliers tried to address star LeBron James's complaint that they don't have enough playmakers on their roster. So they held a midseason tryout of sorts by inviting a number of free agents to a, to a sort of mini camp. Guys such as Mario Chalmers, Kirk Heinrich, Jordan Farmar, even James Nemesis Lance Stevenson was brought in for a workout. Think about that. Here's these guys that have not been able to find a job with any other club all year, and they're suddenly presented with an opportunity to play for the world champs. The college football world had its national signing day on Wednesday. And once again, Alabama had a strong recruiting class. Head coach Nick Saban, maybe he's the best ever in these situations. He gets in the living room of a recruit, and he makes the most of the opportunity to bring that recruit to Alabama. Alabama's recruiting class shows it. Again, another strong class. But there's also another, there's another story sometimes. There's numerous guys that, who waste those opportunities, and that's the sad part. I think that every sport has their high draft guys who find themselves now suddenly with a bunch of money in their pockets and they get involved with drugs or alcohol or other things that just cause their careers to flame out before they even get going. We mentioned college football. Michigan State was set on one particular recruit, but it was reported that he was unable to sign his letter of intent because he was in jail. The Orlando Sentinel reported that defensive end Donovan Winter was arrested on Monday and charged with burglary and larceny of a firearm. I mean, that's just sad. That's terrible timing, first of all. But what a waste of an opportunity. Now, he may get a second chance. I don't know all the details around this story. Maybe he deserves a second chance. I I don't know. I don't know if this was a one-time thing, but obviously it's a pretty serious thing. It brings to mind last year when Missouri prospect Marvin Terry, he was arrested, and he was put in jail. Uh, Assault, I think, uh, numerous counts of assault, I think. Whenever there's a conversation of the greatest athletes of all time, If a guy hasn't won a championship, most of the people that I talk to tend to take that guy out of the conversation. It's about winning championships. It's about making the most of an opportunity when you have it. Hall of Fame discussions are lined with talk of how many titles a player was a part of. Clearly, making the most of an opportunity when it's presented is what sets the greatest apart from everybody else. And it may be why Ben Roethlisberger got people worked up recently with talk referencing a possible retirement. And I wouldn't think that there's any way that he's actually going to do that, but you can understand where he's coming from. The frustration when you come so close, you get to the league championship game, but you fall short. And then you're faced with starting over at zero and zero on the same as everybody else. You've worked so hard to get to 
the championship game. You're right on the edge. You're investing everything in winning, and you're on the precipice of a title, and then it's all gone. A bad game, a loss, you're starting over. I mean, that's got to take a little time to clear the mind, to reload mentally for another go out of it. I mean, I I suppose if you win, it probably takes a little time to uh, reload the mind because that's why it makes it so difficult to defend. That hunger is gone. But taking the most, making the most of an opportunity when it comes is what separates a great athlete. I said it was a recurring theme for me this week, this idea of taking an opportunity when it's presented. In the Bible reading plan I'm using, it has me working through the book of Isaiah currently. Isaiah 55, verse 6 says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Isaiah was pressing upon the people an urgency to get right with God. There's no better time for that than right now. It's not that God is hidden or or will go hiding, but who knows if you're ever going to have that chance again? Who knows if you're not going to get hit by a bus in two hours? You have that chance right now. That's what makes that, that's what makes this the best opportunity. People are sometimes presented with the information that they're a sinner. They're told that they're a sinner. They're told that Jesus died on the cross to redeem those sins, to make a path to God that apart from Christ doesn't exist. And the amazing thing to me is that when they're presented with this information, sometimes they will agree with it. They'll acknowledge everything is true. Yep, that's true. I'm a sinner. I need to get right with God, and one day I will. That's amazing. What? They say, maybe later. It's on my list of things to do, but not right now. James 4.14 says, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. The thing is, sin tends to harden people's hearts. That's not to say that God can no longer reach them, that God can no longer penetrate that hard heart, but over time, people become less willing to change their ways. You know older people, I'm sure you do, who are set in their ways. They don't like or want to change. They can be downright stubborn. There's something about reaching people when they're young, and it's not really that they're more impressionable or more easily convinced. It's simply that they're generally more willing to consider additional things. Their minds are more open. They're more willing to reason over more possibilities. It's easy for me to say because I'm a believer, but it is so important to take advantage of the opportunity that is the forgiveness of sins at the time when it's presented, when our hearts are inclined to look for him, when we must, when we must make the most of an opportunity when we have it. I, and again, I, I say that I'm a believer. It's easy for me to say that. I keep telling you that it was a recurring theme for me this week. So I, I know a close friend of mine was going to be on another faith-based radio program heard out in the Midwest. So I listened in as he shared his testimony. I've heard him tell this story a number of times. But regardless of who it is, I always like hearing about that moment when folks first trusted Christ. So he's talking about how, as a ball player, he's toiling in baseball's minor leagues. He claimed at the time to be a Christian, but it was that insincere belief that we talked about it in an earlier segment on this program 
Matthew 7.21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. My friend was one of these. He he never truly knew God in his heart. He said he was a Christian, but he wasn't even close to being sincere about it. He remembers being on the bus in a baseball world where women and alcohol are abundant. And as he sat there, he'll tell you that he had a picture in his mind of God calling out to him. And he's always careful to say how it was in a loving way, not in a forceful or angry way. God impressed on his heart that the time was now and reminded him of how God had called him numerous times. He says he thought of a train station, how if he were at the station and God were the train, how that train had left many times without him having gotten on. But then he says he felt strongly that the train wasn't going to stop again. He knew somehow that this was the last time God was going to call him. And in that moment, he bowed his head and gave his life to Christ. And the Bible talks about God only calling for a time. I'm not convinced that he would no longer hear if one were to call call out to him after that. But the amazing thing about God is he loves us so much that he calls to us. As a sinner, my heart is not seeking God without him first impressing upon my heart, giving me a desire to do that. Romans one twenty eight says, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. You know, God will allow us to choose as we see fit. He will call, but eventually he's not going to call anymore. He's going to accept your answer. And if, and if your answer is to reject God, He's going to accept that. That's not to say if you called out later, as I say, that he wouldn't hear you, but I think he only calls to you for a time. Why would someone with a depraved mind go seeking for holiness? It's not likely to happen anyway, in my opinion. Which is what brings me right back around to saying how important it is to take advantage of the opportunity when it's there. When God is calling you, God does allow you to make your own choice, But he also has given you a conscience, and he uses that conscience to speak to you, to call you, so that you would seek his forgiveness for your sins. And that's a battle, because people's pride tells them that, you know, you're good enough to get to heaven on your own. Even though they're destined for hell, pride tells people to just keep working, just keep doing good things. You're doing great. But peace with God is found only through Jesus Christ. In John fourteen six, Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Apart from Jesus, there is no path to heaven. Without Jesus, there is only hell. But because of God's love for each of us, he sent his son Jesus Christ for one purpose, and that's to pay the price of our sins. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus lived a perfect life, never sinning even one time. Yet he gave that life as a sacrifice for us. He became on the cross sin in our place. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus gave his life on the cross to pay for those sins of yours and mine. But he didn't stay in the grave. Died, was buried, 
yet he rose again from the grave, defeating the power of death and hell. You need to come to grips with the concept, the idea that you are a sinner. You need to admit that to yourself, and then you need to admit that to God, and you need to repent of those sins. You need to ask God to forgive you and to save you. A pair of verses I use most every week on this program, Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. There it is. There's the opportunity. Will you make the most of it? Are you able to admit that you you are indeed a sinner and that you need forgiveness? Have a talk with God. Pray to him. Place your faith and trust that Christ's death on the cross is sufficient for the forgiveness of sins. Ask him to forgive you and save you. 1 John 1, nine assures us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I hope you'll consider that today. I don't think it's a coincidence that you happen to be listening at this precise moment. I hope you'll consider having a conversation with God and don't wait. Make the most of an opportunity. Second Corinthians six two says, Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You may never get another chance. That's what makes this the best opportunity. We're glad you're here with us. Let us know if there's anything we can do to help, even if you just want someone to pray for you. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back once again. Thanks for being with us here on Beyond the Game. Here's my friend Zach Barletta to take us through some of his shenanigan statements for this week. All right. The San Francisco 49ers hiring of John Lynch. 
a former star player and broadcaster with no front office experience, as their new general manager will end badly. Shenanigans. None of us know at this point how it will turn out, but based on the assumption of the statement, I'm going to say shenanigans. It's not a certainty that it'll turn out badly simply because he has no experience. It may, but it may not. He was a great player, though no front office experience. Uh, He does have NFL experience. He was a good broadcaster, a lot of good insights. And again, those are additional experiences, but not necessarily front office experience, but still within the game. Time will tell, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that it'll end badly. I actually agree with you. Uh, I I call shenanigans as well. uh, He seems like a very, very intelligent guy. He knows the game. Like you said, he was a good broadcaster. Um, They obviously saw something in his interviews enough to choose him over other probably more qualified candidates. And from what I've heard, they're going to be keeping some other front office people around to assist and advise him. So, I mean, the the Niners can't get much worse than what they have been already, so I think he's a step in the right direction. It was recently revealed that Vikings quarterback Teddy Bridgewater is expected to miss the 2017 season. Truth or shenanigans, Sam Bradford was good enough last year to be the Vikings quarterback again next season. I actually, I agree. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Andrew Luck or those top-tier NFL quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Vikings fans shouldn't be expecting that. He is certainly a serviceable quarterback, though. He did a decent job. He can do the job. In my opinion, he's a vastly greater option than anything else they're staring at. And uh, like you said, he's a serviceable quarterback, which makes him better than about a third of the other quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I agree as well. And, and, you know, I looked at some numbers this this week. I didn't realize he had the highest uh, completion percentage, I believe, of any quarterback in the NFL. Maybe that's a result of making safer throws and, and not going down the field as much, but he was good despite not having a great wide receiver core to throw to. Um, I thought he was just fine. He was, he was in the middle of the pack as far as most of his numbers went. Not too great, but not bad either by any stretch. So Yeah, and when they were winning earlier in the season, they got off to that great start. Mm-hmm. He was doing exceptionally well then. He came back down to earth a little bit, as did the rest of the team, but I, I don't see anything else that they could do that would be a better option they don't have Tom Brady. They don't have right. Andrew Luck. So there's not a better option for them. And they're a team that wants to run the football anyways. You watched some of either the Pro Bowl or the NHL All-Star Game on Sunday. Why don't you go ahead and answer that? I actually did not. There really? Was, there was no way I was going to watch the Pro Bowl because that's not even well, really Well, I knew football. that, but I'm a little surprised you didn't watch the whole, uh, hockey All-Star Game. I thought about it, you know, and, and but there really wasn't a really compelling story to draw me to the game this year. There wasn't that the crazy tournament format. There wasn't the John Scott or whatever. And uh, plus I watched uh, that morning, I watched episode one of Stranger Things, ended up binge watching five, <laughs> so you were stuck five on episodes that. of Stranger Things. That was my whole Sunday. <laughs> So, no, I didn't watch it. I actually agree with the statement. I was on board with the NHL's game. I switched over to the Pro Bowl, took one look at those horrid uniforms, and I was out. <laughs> I can't even remember what it was. Maybe I, my wife and I must have watched a movie. I don't know. It wasn't Stranger Things. She had already worked through that. Yeah. Oh, she she was all over me about taking so long to watch that, but it's pretty good. The long-rumored Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather fight is finally going to happen. Truth or shenanigans? I say shenanigans. And, and first off, I, I couldn't care any less. <laughs> I, I, I know many people do, but combat sports have failed to get my attention. I used to follow boxing a bit, but 
With the advent of MMA, there really haven't been enough stars in boxing to keep me interested, but mm-hmm. Mayweather is one of those stars. But I just don't see from McGregor's side what the incentive is when Mayweather stands to make all the money. I just right. – no, I don't think so. I uh, I actually agree that it will happen. Uh, I just think it will be actually kind of a letdown. Uh, I, there, there's so much smoke that I feel like there's got to be some fire here. I think if – I think they're sort of just waiting until the pot gets big enough to interest them and make it worth their while. But I don't, you know, Mayweather's a boxer. He's not going to take McGregor to the ground and he's going to have to knock him out. McGregor's smart enough not to let him knock him out. So I just, I feel like there's just going to be a lot of dancing around and not much going on. I think they'll fight, but I think it will be boring. Last but not least, the Washington Nationals are a win-now team who have always shown a preference for acquiring big-name players, but as of today, their closer would be Sean Kelly. So truth or shenanigans, the Nats will acquire a closer in the next few weeks before spring training. I agree. I mean, they have to, don't they? Actually, maybe they don't have to do it before spring training. I think they can break camp with Kelly and give him a chance to prove that he can do the job. But if they're thinking that they're a win-now team, they can't wait long they're going to need a closer, and especially in the playoffs. That's when a closer is really critical. Absolutely. And I think back to over the last few years, they traded for Papelbon, and they traded for Mark Melanson. And they're a team that not only loves the big-name players, but loves to trade for those big-name closers as well. And they did actually sign a former closer and Joe Nathan, but he's 42. I can't imagine that he's going to be the guy for them. So a trade just makes way too much sense. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another. Each week, we look for something we found particularly encouraging, which we can share with you. This week, in a video that was shared on the Today program and has since gone all over social media, North Carolina teacher Barry White Jr., who has got to be living off the name, Barry <laughs> White Jr. says he was inspired by LeBron James, has created a personal personalized handshake for every one of his fifth-grade students as they enter his classroom. That is to say, every student in each of his three classes, totaling roughly about 40 students. Wow. You've seen LeBron James do this with his teammates. I know the Yankees used to use specialized handshakes mm-hmm. for each set of teammates at the end of their games, but for White, It's simply an effort to make his students feel special. Barry White Jr. and the individual handshakes he shares with his students is what I like this week. You like that? You like that? He's got a way better memory than I do if he can remember that many individual handshakes. You should see the video. It's incredible. Each kid is so into it, and he's he's got different moves for each one. That's awesome. What I liked this week was Tom Brady getting emotional when talking about his dad during one of his Super Bowl week media appearances. A kid in the audience asked him, you know, Tom Brady, who's your hero? Who do you look up to? And he really didn't say much, but he stated that his dad was his hero. And you could see, and, you know, his eyes teared up and he got, you could hear in his voice, voice that he was very emotional when he was saying this. Mm-hmm. And he didn't say a whole lot, but you could tell his dad was very important to him. And, and um, I thought that was really cool. And it was kind of touching to see. And that's what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game for Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week, right here at the same time. Be great this week, everybody. <laughs>